Welcome to Dig It. This is Edge with my co-host, Corey Len of Corey's Digs. How are you doing today, Corey? Doing pretty good. Scrambling a bit, just like you. Yep. Same here. Same here. Juggling quite a bit, as I imagine most people out there listening are as well these days, right? So much going on and so many projects. My head's like spinning on a swivel, trying to keep up with the news and get all this work done at the same time. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And we've got a lot to cover today. Um, Another reason why we're kind of scrambling. So you did this huge report about our future is at stake, the climate agenda's true power, and the Supreme Court ruling on the EPA. And so we're going to talk in depth about that. And then also kind of some real world applications of this whole climate hoax agenda and how it's playing out around the world from the Netherlands to Germany and Italy and Poland and Spain and Sri Lanka everywhere. So, um, yeah, we've got a lot to get into. Yes, we do. Yeah, they're gunning hard. So I think I think our listeners know uh, full well that the climate agenda is you know, a complete hoax, but uh, it's it's being used and has been used for decades for their cover story to pull off all kinds of agendas. And one of the biggest ones is food. In my in my opinion, is food. Um, there, it's isn't it amazing the spins they put on stuff under the guise of climate. Yeah. It's, it's really unbelievable. Well, in reality, what they're doing is the complete opposite. Instead of saving the environment and saving the planet, and we're going to be doomed and we're going to die that we've been hearing for a hundred years, they're actually doing the damage to the environment. They're trying to take out the farmers. They're trying to ruin our, our food supply, not just the, ch- the food supply chain, but plant life itself. And, you know, let's remove carbon emissions from the air because it's, it's evil and it's terrible and it's going to kill us all. Meanwhile, meanwhile, we're decreasing the level that our plants are getting so they can bring it all indoors and control it all. And this is a huge agenda for their new food hubs, indoor, i.e. indoor vertical farming um, that's being rolled out across the globe. And we're seeing that, which we'll get into in a bit, in uh in real time right now you know pretty much across the board just at sort of different stages of it so without going too much into this uh supreme court ruling against the epa because i i realized like tons of news outlets already covered this but there was a lot of misinformation and spin and some people thought this was a massive win some people thought this was a huge loss and so I read kind of in between, but lean more towards it wasn't exactly a huge win because it didn't remove the regulating power of the EPA. However, it did put the kibosh on them trying to create, do this whole shift over into a new energy system because that falls under the uh, you know Congress. Congress needs to decide that and make these these laws, uh, which Congress should have unraveled, (laughs) undone what was done years ago when they allowed these greenhouse gas emissions to go through, through Supreme Court. It was never actually uh, created by Congress and Congress should have come back in and undone that. So, um, so it did not prevent their ability to regulate. It did prevent the ability to, uh, for the EPA to state they have the authority to start saying, uh, you know, we're going to change the emissions to the point where we're going to reduce it to such a level that it's going to force all of the remaining coal mines that we haven't already taken out to shut down because they're going to have to switch over to new, you know, natural gas, solar and wind. And so there were some really good little jabs in here by Roberts uh, in the, uh, in the opinion. And of course I have all that linked in here. Um, And so for me, the biggest takeaway is basically revealing 
through this Supreme Court ruling, that which we already know, which the 400 plus three letter agencies have all gone rogue, long gone rogue, and there's a whole shadow government operating and they're skirting right around the Constitution and Congress and they're rolling out their own little rules and regulations. And so we saw that with the overreach with the previous cases against uh, OSHA with their trying to mandate uh, millions of Americans um, during COVID as far as obtaining a COVID vaccine, gene therapy, or undergo weekly medical testing and all that good stuff. So, so they shut OSHA down for that. They also shut the CDC down um, <laughs> for their, I, I, lo I love the sentence. We found the statute's language, a wafer thin read on which to rest such a measure, given the sheer scope of the CDC's claimed authority, its unprecedented nature, and the fact that Congress had failed to extend the moratorium after previously having done so. So that was in guard in regards to, um, sure everyone recalls the whole moratorium situation that was going on back then. And I mean, the CDC overstepped in so many ways, uh, as did OSHA. But in the meantime, if you recall, Edge, that, that dragged this nightmare out for probably a year before it even made it to the Supreme Court. So they were getting away with this for a long time. Right. Yeah. So this, um, so that's basically what it did is it, sh it shined a light on that. Uh, and so Congress and where Congress is at, right? right now where it stands as far as getting the votes and whatnot, highly unlikely they're gonna get anything shut down on the emissions in general right now. But the Democrats are working on a whole plan. You know, They've been trying to work on their whole Green New Deal and figure out what plans they can come up with to push all this forward. And so I'll get into it further down, but I just want people to realize that there's a lot of stuff rolling out on a state level as well. And people need to be paying attention on a local level because there are ways they can get around some of this stuff through state regulations, subsidies, um, you know, pilot programs where they're moving this stuff forward. They're getting corporations involved in particular, the automotive industry. So so this, yeah, what you're showing here, these are great. So great job on the, the uh, sites that I pulled these from. I linked them all in here where we have, you know, over 60 years. I mean, it really goes back 100. I just grabbed a handful to show the spread of the doom and gloom con job that they've been saying. And I started with 1969, um, where they talk about how everyone's, you know, everyone's going to die and that <laughs> the, the planet's going to come to an end. And, uh, and, and in a lot of cases, they'll say, if we don't tackle this in 10 years, mm -hmm. there won't be an earth anymore and everything's going to melt. And first it was the ice storms, you know, and the ice age, and now it's the global warming and they're just all over the place. And they keep recycling the same damn news story and people keep falling for it. Oh, and Yeah. It's unbelievable. Because they've just really indoctrinated an entire generation through the school systems as, you know, this is this is science now. This is, mm -hmm. you know, incorporated into all facets of the education system. And so, you know, as these uh, children who are raised up through the system become adults, then they're just, you know, now activists and they're now teaching other people the same climate hoax garbage, fake science, that the same kind of fake science that we've seen and witnessed in real time, as you were just referring to with the entire uh, COVID agenda. So, I mean, it's just really now like a climate cult. Um, and, you know, if you question it, you're just basically uh you against know the environment you're totally against earth how dare you you polluter right and you're it's like speaking to a brick wall with these people because it is so cultish with their belief systems mm -hmm. um you know and so even if you just face them with facts on how ridiculous um you know cutting you know carbon or nitrogen is um, and how it, if you look at what that really means in real world context, all you have to do is see 
countries like Sri Lanka uh, or what's happening in the Netherlands, right? Right, exactly. And so, I mean, as far back, we got 1972, UN Environment Protection Boss warns, we have 10 years to stop the catastrophe. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. an environmental, 1982, an environmental catastrophe as irreversible as any nuclear holocaust. And then, and then most recently in 2019, the, the UN only 11 years left to prevent irreversible damage. It's just the fear porn is ridiculous. So, you know, back when they were trying to put this in, I want to say it was like around, oh, I don't know. It kind of carried on between like 07 and 2009, I believe. And you had like 700 scientists who dissented from this, who who were absolutely against the the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, and um, all the glo- the global warming claims by Al Gore and all that. It's a man-made impact, and so of course we need to get rid of man because the impact's too great. So they had you know 52 paid-off faux scientists that construct this narrative and um eventually this gets passed through the uh supreme court to to approve these greenhouse it was um carbon dioxide and five other greenhouse gases and it's it's just it's the whole thing's freaking insane so this could have been undone it wasn't and you know we'll we'll see what comes this november what's what's going to happen here but I'm not, I'm sorry, I'm not overly optimistic. Um, just just to do with rigging, you know. Right. I, I surely think we have the votes, but even, even so, there's a lot of Republicans that are not stepping up to the plate that like this all needs to be completely ratified, torn apart from, from the ground up through local level, state level, get rid of all these damn climate coalitions and agencies and consultants and... Um, yeah, I and mean, we've got we, we already know that the going back to the uh, the rigging and everything. We already know that the Biden regime has um, mandated that six hundred federal agencies um, make voter registration and voter turnout for the Democrats, of course, um, mm-hmm. a top priority, and submit plans to the regime on how these six hundred agencies, federal agencies, are now going to be political activists and mm-hmm. weaponized to maintain the power of the regime. So we already know what we're up against. It's just so very important that we turn out in such overwhelming numbers that, you know, despite all their schemes and tactics that we know they're enforcing, uh, that we, uh, you know, we turn out and we um, overwhelm them. Right. And the other thing is, is legislators need to get on the damn ball. You know what? So you look back at what Trump did, a lot of what he did with, um, I mean, he went right for the jugular of the environmentalists. And look, I'm not saying we don't need to protect and care for the environmentalists. I'm like a tree hugger. I get that. But what these people are doing is, is complete, complete, uh, bogusness lies it's it's mm-hmm. there's no it, science behind any of it and so no, it's it's what, a power grab it's completely a power right. grab. i mean that's I, all it's I, about i think and, traditionally conservatives have always been uh, conservationists like we care mm-hmm. about the environment we care about uh you know hunting fishing um taking care of you know the state parks and state grounds and uh, we, we care about the environment um right. i would say and, and, that it's just been weaponized. It's been weaponized as far as making it a power grab to control exactly. industry. WWF, Sierra Club, all of them. Yeah. So, so you look at what Trump did though, and he tried to reverse a lot of this. And one of the first things that happened when Biden got in, you know, like when it came to the state parks, when it came to um, the the waters, right? The whole Clean Water Act. That's a whole other scandal. Um, so, and he, and he got targeted big time as, uh, but, but he's, he didn't care. He stood up to him and, and he, he did what was right to ensure that the people had access to land and water and various things that these guys were trying to strip away and control. And, and that is what we need 
from our legislators on every level to stop with uh, this charade or this concern over being um, pointed at or called names because they don't care about the environment. Like we're way beyond that at this point. So, so I just, you know, I included this one little thing in here, this, the, the whole Ted talk with um, Gates, because it irks me that for what over a decade now, because I believe this was from 2010, you will have every single mainstream news and fact-checking site saying that anyone who says this is a conspiracy theorist, that Bill Gates never said anything about depopulating. <clears throat> I beg to differ. There's no way to spin this, no way at all. So he's, he's literally showing a diagram of, of CO2 and the temperature increase and the negative effects. And then he goes into a, uh, did I not include the second one in here? I just realized I didn't include the second one in here. Where did that go? Shoot, I'm gonna have to go back in and add it. Okay, so there's four uh, categories that he brings up and in them, people is one of them. And he's like, one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then he says, he says, the global population is at 6.8 billion people and heading up to about 9 billion. And if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 to 15%. We're talking numbers. There's really no way to spin that to say that people are spinning it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. these yeah. Checkers. It's, it's ridiculous. And darn it. I'm so frustrated that I put, I put the wrong image up in the wrong spot. So I got to go back in and add that other chart now. Yeah, they did. They did try to spin it by saying, look, we were talking about how, um, like, say, in third world countries, people have multiple children because the survival rate um, is so low. <laughs> but if we can bring up the survival rate, people will have fewer children. No, no, not buying it. <laughs> yeah, not buying it. Yeah, then then. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. Okay, so so look past the con to see the reality uh if you have not gotten and i still have to finish reading it uh alex epstein just put out a book uh called fossil future highly recommend people get that i extracted some of the charts uh out of his book here where he makes some very 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 good points um talking about you know specifically on uh co2 so he points out that as of 2021, CO2 levels were at 420 parts per million, so PPMs, or 0.042% of the atmosphere. And if plants reach 120 to 150 PPM of CO2, most will die. And so we're already pretty low. And, it, and you know, the, the fact is, the more CO2, the more plant growth. And so- <laughs> I, uh, right, exactly right. exactly and not only do we need that for food but we need it for oxygen and everything else you know it's a beautiful cycle the world was created on and they're trying to destroy it so while, while claiming we're the ones destroying it, it it's just insanity it's complete insanity all one needs to do is look at these charts to see the game so th this chart underneath that one was not out of his book. Um, I pulled that one off the internet. So, so this is showing the actual decline, the 140 million year decline in CO2 and how low we're actually getting and how, wow. the, yeah, yeah. Survival thres threshold for vegetation. And we're darn near right at that. Yeah. And that's, you know, but all of this is under the guise of, global warming, it's causing temperature increases. And, you know, if, if we increase one and a half degrees, we're all going to blow up. Or as Nancy Pelosi would say, the earth is going to burn. Ugh. So, well, the earth is burning. All right. Because of massive civil unrest, because of the tyrannical overlords who are trying to take control of every part of industry and every part of our lives. Right. 
And so, so their main thing is they, they say that this is causing a temperature increase, right? So if you look at this chart, the next one down, over the past 170 years, there's been a minimal one degree greenhouse effect while emissions have been accelerated. So there's, there is no true warming effect happening. And if you look at this chart that he put together and you look at the CO2 versus the temperatures, there's only a couple of points where there's actual any correlation at all. And where there is correlation, CO2, the temperature rose first, not CO2. So yeah. And from, from everything that I've um, researched, and I actually think we're headed for a major cooling cycle. Hmm. And it has absolutely nothing to do with CO2. And it has much, much more to do with the sun and its cycles. So, hmm. yeah, I think that, that the, the Earth naturally goes through cycles. And I think that it's mainly due to the sun's cycles, which makes total sense. And they're trying to uh, transform that into it's man-made, it's our fault, and therefore they have to control everything that we do. It's called climate change. The climate's been changing for millions of years. That is natural, but they're trying to take the term and make it seem like it's a dangerous thing and that we're the cause of it. Right. So... So I was just showing the the the, uh, the overview of the U.S. greenhouse gas emissions in 2020. This is straight from the EPA site, showing 5,981 million metric tons of CO2 equivalent. Uh, and then we have Bill Gates down here saying we need to remove. Uh, they're, they're working on this project where they're removing a trillion tons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere by absorbing it down into the ocean. So that's his goal. So, yeah, he's then, also trying to block out the sun and oh, various other things and nefarious activities. I mean, these people, the hubris of these just megalomaniacs who mm -hmm. are trying to play God, it, it's sickening to watch. Yep. So the next uh, three charts, pretty cool. As we show the more fossil use, um, it you'll see, because uh, their whole thing, their whole concept, right, their whole scare tactic is that this is causing temperatures to rise, this is destroying our planet, it's destroying our food, the, you know, the earth is going to burn, we're all going to die, or back years ago when they said it was the ice age, either way, it's human impact and we're all going to die. That's, you know, their claim. So, and that there's going to be massive storms and there's going to be catastrophic events and there's going to be droughts. And so we need to bring the food indoors to vertical indoor growing that we control and manage. So here we have uh, more fossil food use plummeting climate related disaster deaths. Isn't that interesting? Going back a hundred years. Then we have the more fossil fuel use, far fewer drought related deaths. Then we have fewer storm-related deaths. Why? Because it's the most economical, accessible, affordable, beneficial form of fuel. Well, I want <laughs> to see some charts. all our lights on and giving us, mm -hmm. it's powering every single industry. And by switching over to unaffordable, unrealistic um, solar and wind and some of these other concepts they're wanting to roll out, like building the whole infrastructure of uh charging stations across the country which every state is getting money to do because that was in the infrastructure bill so they're putting like the cart before the horse on that one and congress all agreed to that uh it's it's insanity so where are they getting their electricity from hmm right <laughs> yeah i want to see the deaths related to strangling uh, a country's economy restricting their access to fuel and food sources 
right? And and heating right. and cooling. So how many people are going to die because um, they have, you know, the half or a third of their farmland has been uh, restricted in the country? How many people are going to die because they of the fuel shortages that are um, being imposed because of the this green agenda? Um, right. How many people or, are going to freeze to death or, you know? Well, let's remove the farms, but then let's build up tons of houses and bring a bunch of people in and let's produce more power in the area. So how's that switching up emissions? Hmm. There's no logic behind their, their rationale. You know, there's, there's absolutely uh, no logic there. And when they put all of this out, they just, all they do is they, they damn fossil fuels, but they don't show intentionally, don't show any data, don't show both sides of it. Don't show how it could all work together. Look, I'm not saying that solar is necessarily a bad thing, but it can't be the thing. And no. they can't take away our other options. You know, absolutely. It, it, it could be a great um, added benefit to to things as a backup. But right, right. I mean, you could look at what's happening in Germany. Um, you know, with they're already rationing energy. And so, I mean, you can't just like strangle fossil fuels and imagine that a country is going to be able to completely convert to these green sort of forms of energy without the the human cost of people suffering over it. Um, It's going to be absolutely devastating because it's just not possible for an entire country to run on these types of systems. The technology does not exist to be able to make that possible yet. Right. And they know that. And that's, that's sadly, that's why they're pushing it. So, so we've got this battle between states fighting for and against climate change agendas and I'm not going to go through all this. People can come in and read it, but it's just, it's really important to pay attention to what's going on in your state. Because for example, uh, California, you know, densely populated was like 39, 40 million people. They've been trying to set the standards for the country when it comes to emissions. And they've been getting these special waivers and whatnot from EPA and um, in, in, creating a lower emissions than other states have, but then that's causing it to have a ripple effect and create standards. And so they're doing that now with electric vehicles, with all kinds of stuff that they're trying to roll out. Of course, we have Governor Kate Brown out of Oregon, all about, you know, moving forward with this no matter what. And, um, and then we have states that are fighting against it. We've actually got a case. So uh, in West Virginia, Attorney General Patrick Morrissey, who was just involved in this case against the EPA, uh, he vows to continue challenging Biden's climate agenda and has a big issue with the Securities and Exchange Commission's proposal requiring publicly traded companies to tally and disclose their greenhouse gas emissions and, and other specifics. I think that's a very viable argument um, that definitely should be taken to court. And they've had uh, 20 other states have joined in on this 42 page letter against the SEC. So we've got some cases like this going on. And, um, and then while at the same time, we've got the Democrats that immediately prepared this letter, which I have linked in here to the, um, the Michael Regan, the administrator of the EPA, signed by 30 Democrats. They did this actually the day before the Supreme Court ruling came out, where they're trying to push the EPA to act rapidly on 11 different actions. And in it, they're even pushing for the whole electric vehicle thing. Well, I think they're going to run into a problem on that one. Um, So with the electric vehicles, it's actually way further down in here, but I'll just ramble about it. So, so the problem there is it's creating an entirely new industry. So you remember the infrastructure bill that I did the breakdown on? Yeah. So I went back through because I knew, I knew they had put in seven and a half billion towards the uh, electric charging stations across the country. 
And I knew they put another seven and a half billion into um, like buses and ferries and ports and electrifying them and all that kind of stuff. And they, they did do studies. So I had to go back and like, through that 2,700 page wonderful document and find this because I wanted to make sure that they hadn't included any verbiage that made it, that was like clear cut, you know, saying by 2030, we are going to make sure that all manufacturing, you know, manufacturers in the auto industry are now producing electric vehicles and we're setting these standards and yada, yada. No, what they're doing is they've, they're, in the process of building the studies for it. So I listed those in here. And so what it tells me is if the EPA who's trying to use two executive orders from Biden right now and, um, and being pushed by the, the Democrats to push this agenda forward, that they're gonna hit the same roadblock they just did with this because ultimately that's that's creating a whole new industry to where you are now telling that industry what they have to produce and what they have to stop producing and so i i think they're going to hit a bump in the road on that one um that might slow that down a bit but in the meantime these jackasses all signed this infrastructure bill which is absolutely hellacious because it's moving toward the smart control grid and like i said they're they're building up the uh charging stations so if they were in agreement with that are you know what's what's congress going to do are they going to be willing to say at some point okay yeah we do think we should move completely to electric vehicles and just take away the, the option of gas altogether uh so we need to stay on top of all of our legislators like I said, locally too, because California is pushing their own little thing. And then you get the auto dealers who are getting behind Newsom and all on board with this, right? Because they're getting millions and billions in grants and subsidies to roll these programs out. So they're all being bought up to push this forward. Uh, so then of course we have, you know, the gas prices increasing and the whole situation with the oil and well, let's shut down the pipelines and let's put a block on Alaska and let's not uh, produce our own oil here. Instead, let's just pull from the strategic reserves edge. Let's just, let's just right. export while we're at it. Why not completely drain us and export 5 million barrels to China, India, and Europe? Right. I mean, it, if people can't see the, the intentional destruction happening, but oh, if, if yeah. there's even 1% of this country that still thinks Biden should be president and that this, uh, things are going good. No, they have straight up admitted that they want pain at the gas pump so that people are forced to buy electric vehicles. This is all intentional mm -hmm. and the the fact that biden is even the resident of the white house is because he is sold out to china in particular with this whole gas situation with his with hunter's deals with china and then now siphoning off our strategic oil supply to countries like china and you know some of those companies being connected to hunter's deals it's it's so painfully obvious and yeah. uh i think everybody sees it that's why biden's poll numbers are in the 20s at this point i believe and it's you know that's why i believe there will be a red tsunami in november however they know that as well mm -hmm. and we know they're up to the same old dirty tricks right. to try to maintain power because they have a lot riding here a lot i mean oh yeah and they, the the reason they want to move to electric is you know should be obvious by now but they want the vehicle to everything that's their language, vehicle to everything. They want you dialed into the internet, into homes, into buildings, into streetlights, which they're putting in the LED facial recognition, biometrics everywhere. Uh, they want you completely plugged in. They're going to have kill switches on them. Uh, and they want, you know, more drivers off the road. They want less drivers. They want bike paths. They want to roll out the autonomous. You got numerous states rolling out autonomous um, trucks right now. 
and and some are having accidents. Imagine that. And I believe that what they're going to do is while they're rolling out these autonomous trucks and fleets and these test pilot programs that that are wonderful taxpayer dollars, well, at this point, you know, they're just printing money is paying for this, that they will because electric trucks and vehicles, they're more expensive, like a huge, you know, semi, you build an electric one, it's like double the cost of a regular one. So I think this is just my suspicion. They're kind of simultaneously piloting these so they can gather the data because they always have to, you know, build their little data and make up their proof and make sure they can tweak and change things. So it sounds good. And then they'll eventually roll those into, um, electric as well. But in the meantime, they want to get that data in place while they're also pushing the automakers to push for more electric vehicles. I think that eventually what they would like is all autonomous vehicles um, one day in the future. And if you want to get a ride somewhere, you know, you have to have a good social credit score and there'll probably be some scannable or chip in us that just dupe scans when the car pulls up to pick us up to take us somewhere. Right, right. And they most, they you most, only, you only yeah. get to travel if you're a good global citizen. That's right. And no one's going to see what's happening with supply chains or behind the scenes because it'll be autonomous vehicles driving, doing any of that trans, you know, transporting. So I do think that's their goal in the long run. And we need to um, seriously put the kibosh on all that. And that's why it's so important to get out and fight against this now before it keeps moving further along. Um, so, so bringing us down to the Netherlands, um, I did cover, there was a really good 15 minute interview in here on Facts Matter with a Dutch member of parliament where he just says it. I'm, he just, did you watch that, Ed? No, I didn't see that. Oh, it was great. He just says it exactly. In fact, I should have pulled up the dang video so we could have rolled a couple of minutes of it. But he's literally calling out the, the WEF, the Great Reset, the Sustainable Goals, you know, and he's explaining about this. Um, the What's going on here is this old ridiculous rule from the 1990s that the EU introduced called Natura 2000 guidelines. And it focused on selected areas in Europe that were picked for preservation of certain forms of vegetation, you know? And so he says more nitrogen oxide in the Netherlands would not be a problem for nature. It would be a problem for maintaining the specific vegetation goals that were set you know, back in the 90s, he said, but politicians are just unwilling to address the EU and state that this is ridiculous. These are this, this is an old guideline. We're no longer going to uphold this. Um, and even faced with food shortages and supply chain issues, they're like just, they're just shitting on their farmers right now. And so it, it all has to do with nitrogen oxide, of course, you know, climate and environmental. It's the same thing like the WWF does and BLM and Sierra Club. They all do it here. They do it all over with confiscating land and making things more difficult for people. So they shut down or they sell out. And so he says that they're, they're literally saying that they want to buy up the farms and they want to build homes there. It, right. It's, it's for immigrants for insane. yeah yep exactly absolutely insane we know it's absolutely diabolical um what they're doing they're intentionally destroying uh, a major part of uh the food supply not just in the netherlands but around the world right um and it's all by design with the excuse that they're actually and they're admitting this going to build uh homes or centers for migrants and, and their food hubs let's not forget their food hubs because the netherlands is involved in this whole vertical indoor growing as well yeah yeah so um do you want me to jump into some of this real world implications of what this disastrous climate hoax agenda is doing around yeah, the world? i just i just want to say one sentence that he says here you know towards the end of this interview he says it's this this is the single most existential fight in the history of civilization they want to be ready in 2030 
the globalist takeover. We have eight years to fight this. Let's do it together. Because he's saying, Amen. let me just explain real quick. What he said is in order for this to, you know, the protesting and everything is one thing. He said, but what needs to happen is the farmers literally need to stop providing all the shops food. Stop with the meat, stop with the cheese, stop with, you know, stop with all of it. So that when the people walk into these places that live there and the politicians too go to do shopping and there's like nothing on the shelves, they're like, oh my God, oh my God, we got to do something. But it's like, until it punches them in the face, he feels like they're not, they're just not going to bend on it. Right. So. And, and that is absolutely happening. I've seen video after video of empty store shelves yeah. and of blockades of these, you know, centers where, you know, food distrib- distribution centers and things like that. So, right. So it's yeah. absolutely so happening. The update on, I know you were looking into uh, some other countries and what's going on uh, kind of along these same lines. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's been massive uprisings, not just in the Netherlands, but just really around uh the world um but particularly with regards to the farmer uprisings you know there's been um uprisings in germany particularly um as well as some in poland and spain and some protests in canada all in support of the uh farmers and um with the understanding that this is actually um the anti-farming regular Right. The anti-farming regulations are coming to the entire globe and uh, in many ways have already been implemented. But the Netherlands farmers have inspired support and solidarity from farmers in neighboring countries who are also, you know, devastated by these climate restrictions, particularly Germany, Italy, Poland and Spain. And they're rising up and uh, strong numbers against um, these types of restrictions. Farmers in Germany's Germany have partnered with the uh, Netherlands farmers um, to blockade, uh, to form a blockade on the border of the two countries. I mean, there's just video after video of um, these protests that are happening, not just in the Netherlands, but um, particularly in Germany and other places as well. And um, speaking of Germany um, and and these, these kinds of climate uh, mandates we're looking at, and, and this also has to do with the oil and the sanctions and everything, right? So, I mean, we're looking at energy restrictions and rationing um, already happening in Germany. And here we are in the summertime. Uh, what's going to happen in winter when um, energy rationing um, continues? Right. Um, but yeah, and this is, again, it's like, I would like to see the numbers on how many people are actually going to die from being cold if energy rationing continues and gets worse which i suspect it will and um so yeah it, it's it's really uh difficult yeah, i see this <laughs> wait scroll back down uh a little further okay wait wait he's as if only germany had built more nuclear power instead of building unreliable green wind and solar power. Oops, they've been shutting down nuclear reactors instead. And that tells yeah. you everything yeah. you need to know. This really isn't about green energy that's sustainable and that can work. It's really about controlling the population. They don't And they're, they're rationing hot water, mm-hmm. dimming streetlights, shutting down swimming pools to save energy. And yeah... Yeah, Yeah. it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be dangerous um, if they continue to ration the energy. But yeah, um, so there's a lot of uprisings going on um, in response to and in solidarity with the Netherlands. But let's talk about um, Sri Lanka for a second, because um, the uprising that we've seen just recently um, and watched unfold in Sri Lanka, um, that's mostly due to the devastating climate hoax mandates, mandates imposed by their leaders and promoted by the World Economic Forum. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2018, the um, Sri Lankan PM wrote an article that was posted on the World Economic Forum of, this is how I will make my country rich by 2025. And what have we seen with Sri Lanka? Um, You know, we've seen this regime completely transform the country's economy from, you know, uh, being self-sustaining to uh, just completely collapsing. And um, 
the, just like what we're seeing with the Netherlands, Sri Lanka's, um, they impose regulations to cut nitrogen, um, particularly in the farming sector, which decreased farming production by 40 to 50 percent. And wow. while um, and while uh, India has no problem buying Russian oil, Sri Lanka has got a massive fuel shortage. So this this is what the ESG standards, the environmental social governance standards, have done to Sri Lanka. They have almost perfect ESG scoring, according to the World Economic Forum, at 98.1 rated by the World Economic Forum. But the reality is that their inflation is at 55%. Food prices have risen 80%. Um, the uh, transportation prices have risen 128%. The country's gone bankrupt. The people are desperate and they've risen up to overthrow their government. So, I mean, this is, you know, this is the reality of what these environmental social governance standards do when you try to completely transform the economy based on these ridiculous climate hoax standards. Right. And so they, just like with all their other crap that they do, they, they're calling it, they're creating the problem and then calling it a problem that they created. And then they're going to come in and save the day with their new form of money, their new food hubs and their new, um, energy systems. And in the meantime, millions of people will suffer and die because of this. And all you have to do is look at the statistics to see that we have a longer life expectancy, that things have gotten tremendously better over the last, you know, 50, 100 years here. They've been continuously getting better. And yet they make it sound like we're in total destruction and the earth's going to die right now. Well, yeah, it is because you assholes are creating this mess. Exactly. Exactly. Ugh. And we're seeing this play out in Italy as well. In Italy, it's not just the farmers who are rising up. It's actually the taxi drivers who are rising up as well. Italy is mm. facing this major debt crisis. Okay. Following all of the COVID stuff right over the past two and a half years or so. And so Italy's um, facing this major debt crisis. They desperately need a bailout from the EU um, in the form of COVID, you know, money, basically. Right. But the, that money comes with strings attached in order to get the billions in euros from the EU. The prime minister or the PM is pushing reforms on the transportation sector that are promoted by the World Economic Forum to enable Uber to take over the transportation industry and kill the taxi business. So oh, the taxi drivers um, in Italy have been rising up in huge force, um, just total civil unrest over there um, in Italy due to this. And the Italian PM Draghi, I believe is how you pronounce his name, he is this globalist banker. I mean, just like we've seen with the Netherlands. Uh, what is his name? Brute. Uh, I can't. I can't remember his his name. But how he's an absolute World Economic Forum globalist. Same thing with Draghi. He's a globalist bankster. He was a member of the board of the Bank of International Settlement Settlements. He was the president of the European Central Bank. He also worked for the World Bank. So Draghi was installed as um, this prime minister, literally to and specifically to form a new technocratic government. OK, mm -hmm. so long story short, the country is going the way of Sri Lanka, it looks like to me, facing economic ruin. Uh, citizens have had enough and they're rising up and Draghi faced a no confidence vote this week and but he actually won that no confidence vote uh, and uh, but his coalition is collapsing and he's expected to resign. So and we're seeing a lot of uh, we, we've talked about this, you know, off the air, just this real shakeup happening with world leaders, um, Israel, uh, you know, Boris Johnson, uh, Draghi, uh, then also, obviously, what happened in Japan, although he wasn't um, the acting um president but he was you know a very 
important leader um, with Shinzo Abe in Japan. But right. Yeah, speaking, but go, before I get, we get to what, what's going on in Japan and China, um, I have to mention this. I mean, we're just talking about a, a populist uprising everywhere. And in France, um, we just got word about Emmanuel Macron's vaccine passport scheme being defeated in Parliament. And I don't know if you saw um, this um, this viral video here. After- no, this was news to me. Very finally, a, a piece of good information here. Even even though we know they're rolling out biometrics and all these other things, they're going to try and get us through. But yeah, just, yeah, so, yeah. So this is Parliament after the vaccine passport was defeated. I mean, it was just uproarious, boisterous cheering mm-hmm. um, with the defeat defeat of this vaccine passport scheme. So. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really great to see the populist uprising uh, everywhere and holding back this complete tyranny globalist takeover. Mm-hmm. Um, but we should talk about, you know, Japan a little bit and uh, and what's happening with Japan and China, because, you know, everybody's obviously at this point heard about Shinzo Abe's um, assassination and really the fallout of that or the 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 not necessarily fallout but the uh the repercussions of that um you know and what they mean so you know shinzo abe since he was assassinated his um political political party won a supermajority in the parliamentary elections mm-hmm. and uh that may have implications as far as their um, amending their constitution because with the supermajority this conservative co- conservative coalition that Abe supported and was very outspoken about uh, amending their pacifist post-World War II constitution in favor of more of a military, pro-military constitution to defend themselves and Taiwan uh, against Mm -hmm. Chinese aggression. So um, tell me your thoughts. I know that we, we, you, you've had some, you know, kind of theories about this and well, I don't know if I'd call it a theory. I just, uh, there's an observation I made that's sticking in the back of my head that's going to sound very kind of conspiracy-ish. <laughs> but hey, what's wrong with conspiracies, right? <clears throat> there's a million of them rolling right now, and well, most of them are true. So um, just something I happen to notice, and, and I'm going to tell you flat out right now, I have more questions than answers because I'm not I'm not an expert of geopolitics. I do not, I'm not great at following, um, you know, I can hardly keep up with this country, let alone everything going on in other countries and especially pertaining to their elections. So I I don't have a lot of knowledge in this area. I'm just going to say that I noticed, you know, we had that week where there, it was like, boom, 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 all these things happening back to back. And at one point when I, it was late at night and I was looking at, uh, when he had been shot and I was like, Oh my gosh. So a couple hours later, I'm working on my report. A couple hours later, I go in and see if there's an update. And pretty much from the, from the get go, they said, you know, he was showing no vital signs. I mean, it was, it was like, I believe he was shot like in the neck and the chest area and there was really no vital signs. And so when it's being reported here, you know, they're reporting it, they're calling it Eastern time. So it was like 1030 at night, Eastern time when that shot happened. And then it wasn't until 4.03 AM that they pronounced his death. And that number was sticking in my head. And I'm like, there's something about this timestamp. So I go back and look. So 48 hours earlier, over here in Georgia, there was an explosion that everyone's fully aware of that some mistakenly called it uh, you know, lightning, <laughs> that lightning could never do that. But uh, to me, right off the bat, it looked like some sort of, you know, it was professional explosion. This to me looked like some deep state thing. I have no idea why. Oh, you're talking about the guide stones. I'm talking about the guide stones. Yeah, I remember that so, timestamp. It was at 4.03 a.m. The, yep. the Georgia guide stones were yep. uh, partially destroyed. So, right. So one tablet right and it was hindi and um so india and i'm looking at this and i'm going why would they just you know if they're gonna explode this and then immediately 
FBI is all over it. Mainstream news is covering it. They're talking about what's even on the tablets and everything. And then they flatten it, level it, and take it out of there. And I'm like, wow, if that wasn't a deep state app, I don't know what was, but what was the intention? I don't know. And so the next day, then we've got, uh, I know a lot of people think it was white hats. Sorry, I don't, I do not think that. I didn't from the second I saw the footage. So the next day, Boris Johnson resigns, that whole, that whole thing going on. And then the next day at 4.03 a.m. exactly is when they pronounced his death, like five and a half hours later after he was showing no vital signs um, and was shot. So I just was looking at the whole Indo-Pacific thing that, you know, Abby was very instrumental in creating um and you start looking at headlines and you got bloomberg and others saying oh this is his legacy is the indo-pacific and and you look at the strategy report that came out in february by the u.s and they're they're raving about bush and obama and all the people that were so helpful with this indo-pacific and they even gave kudos to trump but no mention of abby in there even though you know they're calling this his legacy that he created this and spoke in front of parliament with India. And so I'm looking at that. And then I realized, oh my gosh, Japan has elections in like three days. Mm-hmm. So what, what is going on? Like I said, I have more questions than answers here. I'm just looking at some of the facts lining up and some interesting things. And I don't know enough about his party or, you know, quite frankly, what's going on over there to be able to give a whole lot of input on this. Um, But I find it, I just find it all, the timing of it all very interesting. And I'm looking at it going, okay, I know this sounds like completely crazy, which is why I would never write it up, but I'm happy to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) That at at 403, we have some sort of military up over here in an explosion and then shot at 1030 at night and well, Eastern time, remember Eastern time. And then 403 pronounced dead. Now, why was it necessary for mainstream news to cover the Guidestones in the manner that they did and, and to make sure like the whole world knew about this and knew and then show and get the video out immediately showing mm-hmm. the timestamp on it. And then. Right. Like that this, might've been a trigger or some kind of right. code. Yeah. And then I, I why did we wait? That. Why did we wait until exactly 4.03 a.m. to pronounce the death? I just find this, I don't know. Yeah, could, very interesting. It could be a total coincidence, but given everything else going on during those three days right in a row, I find it I find it very interesting. So Yeah, that is very interesting. Here's another interesting tidbit, uh, and where my head is at, um, is that the CCP warned uh, Shinzo Abe about, you know, talks of defending Taiwan. And um, in these uh, warnings, prior to Shinzo Abe's death, they actually said, you know, anyone who dares to return to the old path of militarization and challenge the bottom line of the Chinese people will surely run into a bloodbath. This was in reference to Shinzo Abe's initiative to militarize Japan, which now with a supermajority they may be able to do. And with their uh, potential defense of Taiwan um, over Chinese aggression. So seems like China has definitely a motive there. I know that the Chinese had, had really celebrated Abe's death. And, um, you know, after after that assassination happened. Uh, wow. But I also know that the shooter, he confessed uh, um, about, and it, it all has to do with this sort of connection with the shooter and Abe to this group called the Moonies as far as the motivation for killing Abe. Um, but I don't know. And then I also know about the connection of the Moonies to uh, Trump and uh, other conservative leaders. However, you know, the, it seems that the mainstream media is really pushing that angle, the Moonies cult mm-hmm. narrative. And um, so that just kind of tells me maybe a misdirection. And what are your thoughts on that? That yeah, I mean, I I haven't I haven't read all of this and followed up on all of this, so I 
I don't know, but if, if mainstream news is covering it in that fashion, there's a very good chance it's misdirection. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, but meanwhile in China, I mean, speaking of continued unrest, um, we've seen um, footage coming out of um, China recently. This has been actually an ongoing thing, but um, the, the Bank of China, they, they froze accounts, and this was about like $1.5 billion worth of deposits back in April. And um, this was all basically they just explained to the uh, to the customers that they were, quote, upgrading their internal systems. And these people haven't heard anything since. So meanwhile, they're just fed up and they stormed customers stormed uh, one of the banks of China in a major city. So, I mean, even China is having um, a major social unrest um, as well. And, uh, you know, this is the type of stuff that we can just expect to be coming down the pipe for us if these continued, um, you know, climate hoax mandates um, continue for us. I mean, and, and we know that they want full control of the uh, of the banking system through CBDCs. Um, so, you know, this is actually, you know, t kind of melts into the last thing we were going to talk about, which was something that the World Economic Forum posted just a couple of days ago. Um, just talking about how this this crisis that they've created with all these Russian sanctions mm -hmm. now gives them the excuse for uh, CBDCs, right? Yep, yep. They're they're saying you know, well, decentralized. Just I, you know, we might need to centralize this, guys, so we can start covering sanctions with these bad actors better because this kind of financial system isn't going to work. And so we really need to think more about blockchain, but how we're going to do that. So if everyone remembers <laughs> back when I did my, my book and I would kept talking about how they were going to use blockchain and they were going to centralize it. And everyone kept arguing with me saying, no, it's going to be decentralized. Blockchain's decentralized. You don't understand blockchain. And maybe I don't understand it to the degree most people do. I'm sure I don't. But what I do understand is these people are going for full control. So they're going to figure out how to centralize all of this so they have full control over it. And now they're using the narrative, of course, like just like they're using with the narrative of Russia for everything, for fuel, even though they're, we only import 8, 8% comes from Russia over here in the US, but Biden will just keep repeating all because of Russia, this is why our gas prices are high and right. people buy that crap. So, so yeah, so they're using the, the wars, uh, Russia, Ukraine. It's perfect cover. It's perfect it, cover for them. These people, man, I'm telling you, mm -hmm. they're just unbelievable, unbelievable with their narratives. And it's so darn trans. I just wish it could be this transparent to everyone else, you know? Yeah. So they just, they want to roll into the blockchain and while the, whereas the crypto is kind of good, it really doesn't give us the ability to track these people and sanction them in the way we need to. And this could right. be dangerous. And, yep. and then they even talk about, uh, hang on, I got a keyword so I can find it over here. They talk about the um, aid, the, so they say, uh, this same technology can also play a central role in the post-conflict rebuilding process. When recovery begins, there will need to be transfers to citizens to aid in rebuilding. And CBDCs would be a way to do this in a targeted and efficient way. Boom, you will own nothing and be happy and we are now controlling all your funds. Yep, yep, I love this part here. The CBDCs will optimize the process of freezing rogue state assets since the issuer retains control of the currency at all times. <laughs> yep. In this sense, we, we uh, were reserves held by the Russian Central Bank de denominated in CBDC US dollars, the US Federal Reserve could freeze those assets and technically prevent them from being spent. This meant, means that the access to CBDC networks is controlled, making the process of sanctioning a rogue actor both faster and wider reaching. Okay, rogue actors. Okay, so, so 
what is going, what, let's just take that logic for a second mm-hmm. and put it in a domestic sense, like what happened with the um, truckers in Canada with their assets being frozen, like what's happening in China with assets being frozen. Mm-hmm. Let's say the government turns on its own people and considers more than half the population to be terrorists yeah. and decides that they're rogue assets and that their assets need to be frozen. Mm-hmm. That's exactly where this is going. Exactly where it's going. They're just, they're laying out the framework here and, and uh, kudos to the person who emailed me this. Uh, so if you're listening, thank you. I don't want to say names cause I never know if people want their names said or not. Um, yeah. So it's, the writing's on the wall. I mean, my God. Uh, so, so here's the thing. I, I do believe that, well, at this point in the game, there should be no excuse that like every legislator out there should be fully aware of the climate hoax and what's really going on here. But who knows? Maybe some of them aren't so much. People need to get information charts and whatnot in, in their faces on a local level. We need to start removing these subsidies and these pilot programs. Um, you can do this on a local level. I mean, we also obviously need to hit Congress, but I think at this point it's a waiting game to see what shakes out this November. Um, and we need to start uh, you know, protecting citizens from this complete, um, removing all options and forcing us into these other industries that will ultimately ultimately impact everyone from business owners down to citizens down to children you know right when you don't have food or fuel it's going to affect everyone yeah that'll do it Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah we've it's Mm. time it's time to take a stand this is the last stand we all have to do something uh, mm-hmm. do our part, get out and vote, um, contact our, our representatives, whatever, you know, whatever you can do. Um, we all have to do something to stop this evil and absolutely destructive agenda. Stop using credit cards and debit cards as much as possible and use cash because it's giving billions and billions and billions to the ones that are trying to roll out the CBDCs, American Express and Visa, or American Express. Well, they're probably involved too, but Visa and MasterCard, main ones that have already piloted the programs on the CBDCs. Cause look, they got to roll these all through wallets and digital systems. And they're two of the biggest systems. It's, it's a real easy shift for them to do. So these, these people are making like over $110 billion a year just in fees off of us stop feeding them yeah use cash as much as you can so important good point all right guys i think that wraps it wraps it up for today so please be sure to share this podcast we are on bitshoot foxhole gab tv iheart radio odyssey pilled rumble soundcloud spotify stitcher tune in and youtube and we'll see you back next time right here on dig it but one quick note Next week, we will not be here, but we will pick back up the following week. Oh, yeah. I forgot. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) see you back next time.